Being Reasonable, now heard on WHUPLP Hillsborough, WCOM Carborough, and WPVM Asheville. Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs, and we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we first speak with Kim Michelle Calandra from Carborough Community Acupuncture. She discusses her belief in the Tao and the concept of duality. Next, we speak with international spiritual intuitive and angelologist, Dr. Elizabeth Foley, as she discusses her belief that everything comes from God. But first up, let's have a conversation with Kim Michelle Calandra, as she discusses her belief in the Tao. I was considering my belief in the Tao And that informs my work as a Chinese medicine practitioner. And while I did not claim to be a scholar or a practitioner of Taoism, the Tao represents the belief I have in universal truth and universal consciousness. And from all one comes the two. So all things can now then in the material world be separated into dual, into a dualistic uh, view. And so as a practitioner of Chinese medicine, we are wanting to create harmony and balance. And so we look at uh, opposites or relational forces that come from the Tao, the yin and the yang, the black, white, night, day, cold, hot. The belief you wish to discuss is the belief in the Tao. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's some tertiary beliefs that spring from your belief in the Tao, yes. and very briefly, maybe discuss when you are talking about the Tao, what do you mean? Oh, well, I've, the first thing I heard is that the Tao is the thing that cannot be named. Um, so even just trying to describe it, which is why I qualify myself as not a practitioner, but um, what I mean for, for me is the indivisible oneness that creates anything and everything material that informs, it's basically the one, or I think it can be translated as the way. So it's this truth that all is one. You are speaking about the indivisible oneness, Mm -hmm. and then you uh, started talking about how things are divided into two, so help me. A oneness consciousness. And so they say from this oneness was born the two. And so now on this, before there was this material plane, on some level, this is a spiritual belief and maybe has some yogic traditions. And so before anything on this material plane, there's the one. And then from the one is born the two, the black and the white, the yin and the yang. And so now as uh, humans and material beings, we can relate to each other through the dual the dualism that comes from one. And we can talk more about the dualism in a bit. How do we know that this belief is true? Hmm. A lot of this belief is informed by my faith and um, great sages who have written texts and who have sort of walked the path before me. Okay. There's two reasons why you believe this is true, and of the two reasons you give, your faith and mm-hmm. other guides, I guess? Sure. Other people who also have hold the same belief and their teachings and guidance. Of those two reasons, what reason probably is most important 
for you? Hmm. Well, I have faith in a lot of things. So it's really the one that's most important is that this belief has been written down and passed down through experiential learning and through the teachings and the wisdom of people who believed this before me and passing down the information. Okay. So there's been writings and wisdom that have been passed down, presumably in books or other types of mediums that gives you sufficient reasons to believe this. For instance, the Tao Te Ching, which is the treatise on the Tao. After reading Lao Tzu's the Tao Te Ching, this has informed my belief. If you believe something, Mm. generally speaking, if Mm -hmm. you believe something and this belief is based on the writings of other people Mm -hmm. who believed Mm -hmm. in that thing, Mm -hmm. is that a reliable reason to know whether your belief is true? Not necessarily. No, it's not reliable, but it's a reliable source to say, hey, maybe I will try this out for myself to see if I experience similar results so that I might now believe it. How important is it for you to believe in things that are true? Um, not terribly important. I, I, part of my belief is that everything is true, uh, as well. And so, and that sort of was part of the oneness that, uh, just because I believe something is true doesn't make anybody else's beliefs untrue. Well, maybe we could unpack that a little bit further. Do you see these several vials of essential oils on the herb shelf? If we counted them, there would be either an even or odd number of vials. If we counted them, we could find an answer. If I believed that there were an even number and you believed that there were an odd number, is there an objective Mm. or universal truth there? Mm. Or is what I believe correct and also is what you believe correct, as I think you were saying? Yeah, so I think from my understanding is that there's... uh relative reality. So there's universal truth, which uh, makes our beliefs inseparable. You know, you're odd and I'm even, but this odd and even comes from the same source. So there is truth in that we, the, uh, you're odd and I'm even comes from the same source. Even though in relative reality, uh, there's five bottles and it's confirmed 20 times and you know, your relative reality is that, no, there's still four, there's four bottles. And so it doesn't really matter who's right and who's wrong, because that's, the the belief is supersedes the right and wrong, or that um, I, what I see and what you see uh, are always going to be relatively different. So if I believe that, let's say, there's an even number of vials, and in fact, there is an odd number of vials, if I believe that there's an even number of vials, does that make that true? Uh, it makes it your relative reality. And that the truth is that uh, we're all existing on this plane, projecting our thoughts and ideas onto everything, including those bottles. How do we know that relative realities are true and real? Hmm. Um, relative realities come from our thoughts, from our thinking. So anytime we form a thought or have a thought or think something, that is a relative reality. And the universal truth uh, is outside of our thoughts. So our thoughts are not reality. I'm sorry, I was a little confused. And... Often my not understanding. Yeah. More often than not, it's, it's totally because of okay. it's, it's because of me. And it's not because of you. And, <laughs> so I just uh, and if I falter and my understanding, like I, uh, you know, here apologize to the teachers and sages who have taught me. You know, whether I'm, I may be speaking, uh, I may be, my thoughts may be my relative reality. You know, and so in some level, this is my relative reality. Well, and my, that's where the I'm, thoughts on my belief are my relative reality, and they are not true. 
And that's maybe where I'm, maybe we should go back to, because I'm a little, maybe I'm getting a little confused. Uh-huh. I really don't know what you mean when you say relative reality, because when I think of reality, yeah. I think of something that is true and real that exists, whether we exist or not. Like there's going to be an even or odd number of vials, whether we exist or live or not, doesn't matter. And when I think of a relative reality, I think of something that's not real. So I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, from the understandings of my teachings is that, you know, it's there's still room for in this relative reality, like that, that you're wrong and I'm right. Like that's where the duel comes out of it. There's four. It's even. It's uh, we can count them. We can use our thoughts. We can use our logic. We can use our intelligence to find out who's right and who's wrong. And at the same time, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. So maybe my I beliefs on reality and truth are somewhat different or like outside of the physical plane. How do we know that things that fall outside of the physical plane exist? Uh, so this is where I'm going on the teachings and that with uh, meditation and mindfulness and daily practice, there have been people on this earth who uh, can feel the oneness, who emanate love uh, on such a deeper and more powerful level than most of us have ever imagined or experienced. And so because there have been those people and those people have met people that have then I've learned from, that informs my belief. Let's say Jimmy is sitting next to you and Jimmy believes in this fundamental eightness. Mm-hmm. that were divided into eight parts and then there's eight ways of looking at things and there's eight sides to everything. Mm-hmm. And presumably he could come up with some writings about mm-hmm. eightness sure. and he really believes it Yeah, and it's true for him. But what does that say about whether his belief in the eightness mm-hmm. is true and real to the extent that it reflects a reality of the fact that things are divided into eight parts. Yeah, I think that's uh, like an interesting concept. And this is allowing me to sort of like practice more and want to deepen into my own experience of what I'm speaking of so that, you know, because there have been moments uh, uh, with another person or in my meditation or sort of uh, thoughts and concepts fall away and I'm now in a state of, uh, you know, nirvana or or absorption or enlightenment. And it's a felt sense. It's not, uh, oh, I think I'm enlightened right now, or, oh, I believe, I think I believe this. It's just a state of being that I have experienced. um, And I experienced it because of the teachings and the method that was prescribed in order to have this experience. Um, and so those momentary experience, personal experiences continues to um, allow me to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have a belief and this belief have extremely positive effects on a person? It helps them interact with people. It makes them calmer. It centers them, for lack of a better word, and only great things come from this belief, whether you're looking at yourself Mm -hmm. or whether other people are viewing you from the outside. Mm -hmm. Does that reflect whether a belief is true? No. I just, for instance, uh, the belief that I have does not negate things that feel bad. I'm going to talk about a belief that's controversial. Let's say, for example, we live in a place where half the people believe that vaccines are a great thing and they do good in the world 
and uh, people should get them and they're safe and they're reliable and we're in a much better place than if we didn't have vaccines. Mm -hmm. And the other half of the people who live in the place where we live believe the opposite, that vaccines are dangerous, they don't work, there is maliciousness behind vaccines, Mm -hmm. there is no reason to take vaccines if you can take other types of holistic medications. Mm -hmm. So we have two sets of people who live in a place where we live, let's suppose, who have wildly different Mm -hmm. beliefs. First of all, would relative beliefs be relevant here in this situation? Yes. Or relative truths? Relative reality, yes. Because it's a lot about what the thoughts that are people, it's the thinking that people are having that is informing the belief. Would the relative realities of these two sets of people have any effect on whether vaccines are safe and effective. Yes. Okay. So one group thinking that vaccines are safe and effective will make them safe and effective, and another group believing that they're not safe and effective will make them not safe and effective? No, I think that the thinking will can lead, allows uh, more thinking. So, okay, well, there's this space and we have different, we have opposing beliefs or like what looks like opposing beliefs. The relative reality of that can say, okay, well, let's like do these, t- allows us to use our brains and intelligence to uh, do more testing or to test, to, to continue to test the two sides of their beliefs. Um, and, you know, maybe that may, as more information or more thinking comes into the light, people's relative realities may change. So that allows for someone to say, oh, now I have all this more information. Like I was in this, uh, I had this belief, but now I believe this, you know, I'm, other thing. So are you using relative reality in exchange for opinion? Meaning mm. that my relative reality is that um, vaccines don't work. No, or not my so opinion, much. Okay. It's more that every thought that every human has is relative reality. Everything material, everything that you're seeing, everything that I'm thinking, everything that you're thinking exists in the blanket of relative reality, that there is something greater, bigger, more universal as well. Maybe this will help me. Okay. Because I I do apologize for not understanding. No, you're fine. (laughs) But in the case of our vaccine example. Yeah. How does somebody's relative reality affect whether vaccines work? Mm. It doesn't. So, it doesn't matter what people think about it. Whether if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it it doesn't. And um, you know, there's space for the vaccine to work. There's space for the vaccine to not work. There's space for the vaccine to cause harm, and there's space for the vaccine to benefit. So, in this situation. And Almost like I'm just, the belief is a belief in non-negation. So like belief in non-negation. Like uh, because I believe it does not make yours not true. But did we just say that there's a truth there? And so if I believe it and you don't, someone it sounds like somebody's that's the dualism that's coming from the oneness. So that's why dualism is important, so that we can always relate to each other and we can process. Everything that we're thinking and everything that's happening around us. I'm right and you're wrong. This works. This doesn't work. There's four, there's five, there's ah, and there's even. You know, there's the vaxxers and there's the non-vaxxers. And because we we have to live on this material plane, so we have to, we actually exist and live in this, and use our words and our thoughts in a dualistic way. But my belief is that with enough practice, with enough sitting, with enough repetition, I may feel a oneness, an ultimate love, a source of love and consciousness beyond 
uh, right and wrong. Okay. And just to be clear, when I'm, when I'm talking about, mm-hmm. when I use the example of the vaccinations, yeah. I myself am not implying a dualism. When I'm talking about it, I'm implying that it would seem like a situation where it would be really important to find out what's true and real, especially mm-hmm. given the times we live in. Mm-hmm. And... I would want to know, when in the case of vaccinations, what's true for everybody universally, and I'm trying to understand. I guess my teachers say, what's true for everybody universally, then that doesn't matter. The topic of vaccinations, it doesn't matter. Right. Whether it's beneficial or harmful. Right, because I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that there's an answer there, yeah. and it doesn't matter my relative reality, your relative reality, because there's a truth there somewhere that could be discovered, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And that's one example. So I'm trying Mm -hmm. to understand like any example where like a relative reality would be germane. I can't think of one. Well, I do appreciate this. I know it's probably not a conversation you thought you were going to have. I'm sorry. No, it's great. I tried to explain. I tried it. No, it was, it's amazing. This is the kind of conversation I want, I want to be having all the time with everybody. Uh, This is the, this is the kind of things I think about all the time. Me too. These are the kind of conversations. This is a great conversation. The only is that I'm a little shy and like my, I'm just going to keep studying. We hold a conversation with international spiritual intuitive and angelologist, Dr. Elizabeth Foley, as she discusses her belief that everything comes from God, coming up after this short break. Charming in 94, but not 
God is all loving, and everything comes from God. So whether I talk to Archangel Michael, it goes back to God. Whether I talk to a deceased loved one, it goes back to God. Whether I talk to an ascended master like uh, Jeshua ben Joseph, who's, uh, whose former name is uh, Christ, or Mother Mary, everything goes back to God. So everything goes back to God. So the belief is that everything goes back to God, whether you are discussing angels, right. whether you are discussing more biblical thoughts or psychic thoughts. That's how our, our psychic abilities are our God-given abilities. Because how did Jesus get messages from God? On a scale from one to seven, mm-hmm. how confident are you that this belief is true? Seven. And on a scale from one to seven, how important is it for you to believe in things that are true? Seven. How do you know this is true? Because I've had many signs. I have actually asked for validation, and I've gotten signs. I've gotten tons of signs. So personal experience. Correct. What would be a really good or best example of a sign showing you that this belief is true? I love Mother Mary. She's one of my favorite ascended pastors. And one day I was putting together um, an Archangel Ascended Master workshop. And I went to the beach just to get away from the phones and computers and everything. And I laid out the blanket and put my books down in the notebook and started to think about how am I going to put this together? Because in two weeks, I got 20 people coming for class. Okay. And Mother Mary kind of showed up in my mind's eye. Like I just imagined her just floating above me, looking at me. So I said, Mary, do you want to be one of the masters that people need to learn about? Didn't hear anything, didn't see her lips move, didn't get anything, just nothing. So I asked again, still got nothing. So I said, Mary, if you're one of the masters that want to be part of this program, I want a heart-shaped stone today from you as a sign. And then she just kind of disappeared. I thought, okay, that was weird. So I went back to my books and then I thought, you know what? I haven't even gone down to the water yet. I haven't even checked out the ocean. So on my way down, I saw part of a stone sticking up from the sand. And something inside me just said, go over to it. So I did. And I had to literally dig it out, clean off the sand. And I took it to the water and I washed it off. And from that, I looked at it. It was a perfect heart-shaped stone with a cross in the middle and the initial M on the back. So that was a sign that they listen The spirit world listens. Whether you talk to God, you talk to an angel, you talk to an ascended master. Like I said, everything goes back to God. And I've gotten signs using numbers for that validation as well. Is it possible to have these strong experiences Mm -hmm. and these experiences affect you and change you and make you a different person, but still not be true. I think the truth lies in everyone else's belief system. So what my truth is, is true for me. It may not resonate with you. It may not be your truth. And everyone has to find their own truth. And to me, all paths lead back to just one God. So we're talking about personal truths. Yes. Okay. Are there universal truths? That's a little hard to answer. There are universal laws. And in terms of universal truths, I would say that every single religion has some type of belief in a God. When you say everything comes back to God. Yes. To you, is that a universal truth or a personal truth? Both. Going back a little bit. Is it possible to have a life-changing experience and be changed by that experience, yet that experience not be true? I'm going to say yes to that. Okay. But it can change a person, but it can also widen their consciousness or their awareness of things. How could we tell if... The experience you had with Mother Mary 
mm-hmm. was something related to the truth and reality of Mother Mary speaking to you and you finding a heart-shaped stone versus something inside you that wanted to confirm a certain belief. Okay, run that by me again. I'll put it a different way. Okay. Let's say Gerald is sitting next to you. Okay. And Gerald talks about a similar experience he's had talking with the Mother Mary and finding the heart-shaped stone in the sand. Mm -hmm. And we want to know if what happened to Gerald is true and real or a belief system that he's holding. To me, people like tangible evidence. So when they can actually see something, feel it, touch it, hold it, smell it, whatever, that makes it more real to them. So getting that heart-shaped stone Mm -hmm. with a cross in the middle and the letter M on the back of it, that would be pretty hard for me to manifest. And that, to me, comes from the Divine Mother. Are there other reasons someone can find a stone in the sand that resembles those specifications and not be? I think it would be pretty hard to get a heart-shaped stone across in the middle and the letter M on the back. A heart-shaped stone, people do find them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just the other day, I was out walking my dog, Madison, mm-hmm. and there was a heart-shaped water spot that I took a picture of. So the universe gives us tons of validation. We're watched over, we're loved, we're being protected, we're being assisted, we're being helped. So that tangible evidence, for me, makes it more real, makes it more solid. It speaks to my truth. Finding a heart-shaped stone with a cross and an M would be apparently a rare thing to find. Wouldn't it be important to find out whether this event, even though it is rare, relates to your belief in the Mother Mary talking to you? It makes it real to me. And yes, it is an unusual event. It's pretty rare to get all three. Um, But that is like her answering me. That to me is real, that she's listening to me and she responded to my request. So it makes it real. Real to you in a universal truth sense or a personal truth sense? I'm going to say both. Okay. I'm going to say both. God speaks to everyone all the time. If someone had that similar experience and did not find that tangible evidence that you found, right? what would it say about that person's belief? Um... They may feel like they weren't being listened to, or they just don't believe in the Divine Mother, or for anyone in spirit, whether it's God, angels, guides, masters, deceased loved ones, etc., really listen to us and help us and respond to us. So if someone had that similar experience that you had, yet did not have tangible evidence... It depends on also their level of belief, Mark. So even though I didn't get anything tangible, I still believe it. So one could have this belief and have tangible evidence from it, and one could have this belief and not have tangible evidence from it. Correct. So if that's the case, how do we know it's true? That's up to the individual to discern for themselves. Does it speak to their truth or not? We continue our conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Foley as she discusses her belief that everything comes from God, coming up after this short break.
belief is false, how could that person find that out? Um, I'm not sure I understand your question. Let's say Susie, who's sitting next to you, says, I want to believe in true things. And if a belief can't be shown to be false, Mm -hmm. then let me put it this way. Susie is sitting next to you and she wants to she wants to believe it if it's true. Then she needs to have her own experience and get her own validation. If somebody wants to believe in true things and that belief can't be shown to be false, then how do we know that is not false? Again, discernment and also asking for validation. Is asking for validation a way to know that a belief is true? Well, the person has to have their own inner belief. It's their core belief. It's their truth. Now we're talking about personal truths. Maybe this will help. So see these candies right there? Yep. There are an even or odd number of candies. Correct. I don't know what the answer is, and I presume you don't know what the answer is, but there is a truth there. There's a truth to that. And whether you believe it or not, or whether I believe it or not, there is an answer to that question. When I'm talking about a universal truth or objective truth. But again, that's tangible, so you can actually count them. So in terms of someone's truth or someone's belief, to me, discernment and also getting some type of a, if you want, a physical validation, a sign. Also, people have to trust their gut feeling. A lot of times, people get a gut feeling like, I shouldn't really go work for that company, or I shouldn't go into this building, or I shouldn't go home that route, and they can't tell you why. It's a strong gut feeling. It's a knowingness, and they do something different that works out in a much more positive way. So part of it is intuition. Part of it is getting that validation. Part of it is also just your your core belief, period. Is it possible to have a gut reaction to something, and then that something not work out as you intended. Sure. So are gut reactions a reliable way to know whether something is true? I'm going to say yes. How do we know that? How did um, Christ get messages from his father? How do we know that Christ got messages from his father? Because it's written in many of the textbooks. How do we know that that is reliable? We don't. We have to just trust. Sometimes you have to just trust the unseen. And that's where faith and belief comes in. Should we trust things that are unseen? Um... That's going to be, yes. Why should we trust things that are unseen? Because we have a human brain, we have ego, and we're limited to our five senses. A lot of people haven't developed their sixth sense. So... Do, do you see the air that's in this room? The answer is no. But you're breathing, your lungs fill up, so you have to trust there's air here. To use your example yep. with the air. Yep. If I didn't exist and you didn't exist, right. would there be a way to independently measure whether there is something called air? Sure, there's technology. Now take your belief. Mm-hmm. What happened with Mother Mary? Mm -hmm. If I didn't exist and you didn't exist, would there be a way for someone to independently show that that belief was true? Because we're a consciousness. In truth, we live in a holographic world. We are holographic ourselves. Even if this is a holographic world, let's say, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how does that relate to... Finding a truth? Are true beliefs true? They're true to the person that holds those beliefs or holds those truths. 
but not universally so. Not universally. Are beliefs that are not universal true? Why not? Do personal beliefs say anything about the truth value of that belief? Yes. Does me believing that there are an even number of candies in that bowl have anything to do whether there is an even or odd number of candies in that bowl? No. Back to personal beliefs. Okay. Are personal beliefs true beliefs? They are to the person. I believe that there is a universal truth that there is some type of divine power that exists. No matter which sacred text you you look at, whether it's the Bible, the Talmud, or other other things, um, there it speaks to a God of some kind. If Jimmy is sitting next to you, let's say Jimmy doesn't believe in any God. Okay. Is that? And that's that's his truth. That's his belief, and that's fine. So what Jimmy believes and what you believe are personal truths. So what we're saying is, is that Jimmy believes that there is an even number of candies in that bowl. You believe that there's an odd number of candies in that bowl. Mm-hmm. But there's an answer there. Right. So there's a universal them. truth there. Right. How do we get to that? You count them. <laughs> we count them. Right. Physical, tangible evidence. Should we believe in things when there are no physical, tangible evidence? That's what religion is based on. No one knows what God looks like. But people believe in God. But should we believe in anything when there's no tangible evidence? Again, it goes back to discernment. There are some things, yes, and there are some things, no. In the case of your belief versus Jimmy's belief? That's his truth and his belief, and I have mine. So one person believes in an odd number of candies. One person believes in an even number of candies. Right. And the only way you really know the truth is when we pass on and we become consciousness once again, pure consciousness, pure energy. Is that tangible? Um, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. Yes, that's why mediumship happens. We can connect with a deceased loved one. And when we do that, is that tangible? When you get enough validation in evidence, yes. Is it okay to question one's beliefs? Sure. One's self beliefs? That's, that's how you start growing. It's to question things and to get that validation and what feels right to you, what resonates with you. Is it okay to question someone else's beliefs? It's not so much question, but to ponder upon it, to consider it. Is it okay to consider someone else's beliefs? Sure. Part of the reason why I do this show is that we have different segments of our country who believe in wildly different things. And it seems to me to be getting us into trouble. My premise Mm -hmm. is that if we all made a bigger effort to believe in things that are true and real, then we might be able to function better as a society. Um, I agree to a part of that, but to me, a lot of people are not spiritually awake. They're not conscious. From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week. You can't fake the funk.